Good evening, everyone. I'm Leah from SciTech, and tonight I'll be your audio guide to the galaxy. For this episode, we are going to be catching a glimpse of the International Space Station as it passes overhead. To see this special satellite, the best time to listen to this episode is a few minutes before 8.28pm on Sunday, January the 2nd. Now, if you happen to miss the flyover, that's okay. Check out the NASA website, spotthestation.nasa.gov to find the next flyover, and you can still give this episode a listen when you're out hunting for the ISS. Make sure you've got this episode downloaded, and once we get started, try to keep your phone screen off so your eyes can adjust to the dark. And before you head outside, make sure to grab some insect repellent, a torch, and a jumper if it's cold. Ready? Let's go. Have you ever wanted to go into space? I mean, it's right there, just look up. Humans have always gazed up at our night sky and wondered what it would be like to be up there in space. But before we can even begin to think about traveling amongst the stars, we need to really understand what it's like, not just to visit, but to live in space. And for 23 years, astronauts and scientists alike have been doing just that, living aboard the International Space Station. And if we're lucky enough, tonight we should be able to spot the station in the sky as it passes overhead. To see the International Space Station, otherwise known as the ISS, you don't need a telescope or binoculars or any fancy equipment. All you need is your eyes and a watch. You see, the ISS is moving at a speed of 7.7 kilometers per second, meaning that it takes only 90 minutes to do just one lap around the Earth. That's incredibly fast. And this is why you need a watch, because if you aren't on time, you will miss it completely. The reason you won't need a telescope tonight is because the ISS is huge. It stretches 109 meters long and 73 meters wide, which is about 34 times bigger than the average house here in WA. And remember, satellites don't produce their own lights. Just like the moon and the planets, we see them because of the sunlight that is reflected off them. So with the ISS being so big, it means that there is a greater surface area for the sunlight to reflect off, so it shines nice and bright in our night skies. This makes it much easier for us to spot it amongst a background of countless stars. Before we can spot the ISS, we need to figure out where exactly we need to look in the sky to find it. And tonight, it will be starting its journey low in the southwestern sky. So, first things first, find the cardinal points of west and south, and then face towards the point along the horizon that lies exactly between these two directions. Now at 8.28pm, you should start to see a bright little speck appear in this direction and slowly move upwards in the sky. 
The flyover will last for a total of five minutes, tracing out a path heading towards the constellation of Orion in the eastern sky. As it reaches Orion, the bright light will start to dim as the ISS moves into the Earth's shadow, hiding it from our eyes. When we see it in the sky, we won't be able to see any details of the station itself. And that's because even though it is quite big, it is still 420 kilometers above us in the part of space around Earth called low Earth orbit. Currently aboard the ISS are seven astronauts, four from NASA, two from the Russian space agency Roscosmos, and one from the European Space Agency. Together they make up Expedition 66, and this crew will remain on the ISS until March this year. During the 23 years that the ISS has been orbiting around the Earth, 246 astronauts from all over the world have called the ISS home, taking more than 400 space flights to reach it. The ISS is one of the only places that allows us to conduct long-term research on how living in microgravity can affect the human body. And this is why the ISS is so significant because space is so very different to what life is like here on Earth. In space, there is no atmosphere to breathe, it's cold, there's harmful radiation coming from the sun. Oh, and there's no gravity, which can have some pretty significant effects on our bodies. Thanks to the orbit of the station, it makes it seem like there's no gravity, so it gives us a chance to understand these effects. We found that without gravity, our bodies aren't under as much stress, so astronauts typically grow about three centimeters in space. But it also means they lose muscle and bone mass, so they need to work out two hours every day to maintain muscle strength. Worst of all, or at least as far as I'm concerned, without gravity around, it makes it far more difficult to taste your food. This is because the fluid in our bodies is spread out more evenly in space, rather than being pulled down towards our legs here on Earth. The result is that astronauts have a lot more fluid around their face and sinus areas, almost like their noses are permanently blocked. So tasting things becomes rather tricky. To overcome this, astronauts typically ask for spicy foods and sauces, so their food has some more intense flavors. And in fact, astronauts manage to add their own spices to their foods, growing their very own chilies in space for the first time on the ISS back in October last year. Living in space definitely has its challenges, but it is worth learning about them because each bit of knowledge that we gain from the ISS prepares us for that day when we can take that next step in space exploration, as our rockets take us beyond the confines of low Earth orbit and deep into space. So as you watch it fly overhead, just remember how important the ISS truly is. To finish up though, I will mention that the ISS is also a great opportunity for us to learn more about the kinds of materials that can withstand the harsh environments of space 
and to develop new kinds of technologies that will benefit us in the future. This includes miniature satellites called CubeSats, so tiny they are literally 10 centimeters by 10 centimeters by 10 centimeters. Their small size means that not as much fuel is needed to get them into orbit, making space way more accessible for everyday scientists, engineers, and even students to send their own spacecraft into space for exploration and research. This includes the first ever West Australian built satellite, BINAR-1, developed by the Space Science and Technology Centre at Curtin University. Now, I could tell you all about it, but why do that when the folk from Curtin can do that themselves in a special episode next week? So make sure you tune in to hear all about it. That's it for this episode of the Audio Guide to the Galaxy. Thanks for joining us and we look forward to seeing you again soon. And remember, you can find the universe just outside. <laughs>